0: Right, and we have kicked off, it is the podcast play on, at podcast play on, and at beer at bands. myself, Ben English, as always, welcome back, after the heartbreak, the disappointment of England, bottle in the final, we're back with another podcast episode, hope you're well, I am, as always, here with Ash Hayden, sir.
1: Yeah, I'm good, bro, what's happening?
0: Good, man, yeah, I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm very hot.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's been, can I say a quick, happy birthday, shout out. Cool. Um, to Seth. So, Seth is a guy who brought us together. Um, this comes out on Monday the 19th and today is Seth's birthday. So, large up to Seth, friend of the show, friend of the members of the show. Big love to you.
0: Yeah, big up, Seth, and doing great things um, with his DJ career. So, check him out. Uh, we'll be asking for those to Food tickets in the post soon, man.
2: <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs>
0: great night. Great night. And Cal, as always, engineering. How hey, you
2: Hot and bothered, and drinking some chilled water—very refreshing right now. But
0: mm-hmm. well, hopefully, we've got some mouth-watering material to get you going throughout the week. As always, hit us up on social media, and make sure you subscribe, follow, tell a friend. And uh, you know, it's a funny—it's a funny period at the minute. The Euros are over, the Premier League doesn't start yet. We've got friendlies aplenty, which we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, so we've got we've got lots of material. Uh, so you guys are doing well, right? First of all, we're going to just start with a COVID and Corona update. Ash, uh, I'm going to pass to you. I know we usually have a Corona 11, but that sort of to be it seems to be a bit thin on the ground.
1: Yeah, obviously cases are kind of going up around the country, so everyone kind of stay safe and be and be careful. Um, there's been no players. Um, that we think would make the Corona 11. But I think we spoke about a couple of other players. Um, Was it the, was it the Birmingham goalkeeper? Who came yeah, out of hospital? Yes. Yeah, who came out of hospital with it. So obviously that prayer as well wishes to him. Um, And yeah, if anyone has contracted, I hope you feel better soon. And yeah, just take care out of there guys.
0: That's it, that's it. Right, on to the big talking point. We had the Euros round up. Um, Cal, I'm going to start with you. What were your thoughts on the Euros as a whole? Were you impressed? Did you enjoy them? Did you manage to catch many games? How did
2: you rate it? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the Euros, I think it was It was. Um, it's a strange time, obviously, during these uh, global pandemic times. And so... At first, I wasn't really that into it. But when it kicked off, you know, I did get into it. I don't don't think I did watch as much football as I should have done. I regret not getting down to to be able to watch anything. I did have a look at a couple of matches and think, let me try and get down and watch some football. Um, But we did see some really, really good bits of play, man. I think um, it was tragic early on having um, that uh, really uh, sinister incident involving Christian Eriksen. But I think in turn, that kind of spurred his nation on to kind of rally together and to try and win for him and which pulled off some great performances from them um, as, a, as someone who kind of likes to scout players at these tournaments I, I discovered some new players I discovered some players that I thought were brilliant one player from that Denmark team was um, uh, Damsgaard I thought he was great um, so uh, yeah uh, great some great football um, I, I, I wish there was a little bit more skill you know, I, I do like to see lovely little bits of skill and stuff, I don't see too much of that, but some lovely goals that, you know, it takes a lot of skill to score um, with great technique and we definitely did see that, some lovely goals uh, Yarmolenko, um come to mind straight away, uh, Ronaldo scored a lovely goal with the twinkle toes uh, skipping past players and tucking it in um, I think even Pogba scored a pretty good uh, long distance effort so, yeah, good tournament. Well, what were what, what your guys' thoughts?
0: Ash?
1: Yeah, so I was a little bit down on the Euros. Mm. I feel like I was a bit exhausted um, from football, but actually you can't really beat an international tournament. And as the tournament went on, I, I became more and more engrossed in it, um, watched more and more games. I think the, the stand of the tournament was pretty good considering such what well, the exhausting season that everyone had. Um, I think... The best team over the tournament won it. Um, I know some people may disagree with that, but if you look at Italy, their record, what they came into it with and how they actually performed in the tournament, I think um, they were the best team. Um, And yeah, I think it was good to kind of find out a couple of, like like what Cal said, a couple of players I hadn't really paid much attention to done extremely well. So Schick was really good. Um, I liked him. Um, Damsgaard Guard was a good player. I thought um, Chiesa I knew a bit about, but actually seeing him really pull Italy through the semi, um, the, the knockout stages was was pretty impressive as well. Um, and yeah, I think, I think all in all, it was a very, very good tournament. And um, yeah, I, I look forward to the next one, which is the World Cup in, what, about 17 months?
0: Mm, if that, mm, mm. if that. Sooner than you think. Sooner yeah. than you think. It was a funny one with like the tournament being played across Europe, teams having to travel... A lot further than others. Obviously, maybe feeling the effects. Some great goals. I think Schick with that halfway lob over Scotland's got to be goal of the tournament. uh, Just for sort of just the quick thinking, and then all the memes that came out of it with the Scotland goalie in the net tied up like Spider-Man and parachuting, and all that. That that was really funny. So yeah, I don't think the the tournament came alive until for me we saw some of the big guns playing. Uh, France Germany was when it really started to you know they upped the pace. A lot of the games were quite slow. Uh, You know, England games started a bit tentatively and, and, you know, Southgate had a plan and it worked to some extent, which we'll talk about in a moment. But, uh, yeah, I was impressed with the tournament. I was really happy to see teams, you know, European teams, obviously the level there is up there. But, uh, yeah, like Ash as well, a bit exhausted from the football, so I was glad there's a break now, although friendlies are back on it. Um, So, all in all, a good tournament, well run with everyone and... Uh, slightly hampered towards the end with the the violence that we saw which we'll again talk about so yeah not bad at all right
2: um any any players that caught your eye Ben? um i thought
0: i was i thought pogba was phenomenal Mm. um and just shows what he can do when he's got the support there and i thought you know i thought he was unlucky not to sort of push on Uh, just what he dominated. Uh, I was really impressed with Luke Shaw, who I have a big, massive advocate for all season, and some of the Italians as well. Um, Insigne, uh, Chiesa, just running, running, running. And I'm trying to think of anyone else. So
2: many players.
1: The left-back 80 was good as well. Spinozola, he was very good.
0: But he made the team, didn't he? Which which we'll touch on after you guys speak about your... um, Oh, your your sort of best European players in the Premier League. Uh, One player who I did think did really well for Portugal was Sanchez, Renato Mm. Sanchez, who I'd like to see him back in the Prem. I know he didn't sort of fare too well when he was with, I want to say Swansea, but he he was really controlled and allowed sort of that Portugal team to push on, Uh, although they didn't really push on in fairness, but, you know, um, (laughs) Fernandes. Benched, bit disappointing. That Portugal team on paper could have gone a lot further. So, uh, yeah, a lot of midfield players I was really impressed with. So, that was that was good. Yeah, all round, it was good, man.
2: I just want to give a shout-out to Billy Gilmore because I think he had a pretty good tournament. And uh, I'm hoping that he can get into Tuchel's plans and get some games for Chelsea next season because he's a really good young player.
0: Yeah, but he sort of shot against England and then it was too little too late then, wasn't it? Right, talking of Premier League... Um Ash and Cal have put together their list of sort of greatest Premier League players to play in the Prem and each player representing a country that had played in the Euros. So I'm gonna to pass to you guys just to go through. Um as always, listeners, let us know your thoughts. Let us know if you agree, disagree. There's a few players that you think oh actually I don't agree with that I want, I want to offer my view so please hit us up on the social media so we'll start who wants to kick this one off first was it was it Ash's uh, brainchild or was it Cal's idea first so
2: Ash's what, brainchild you might as well go first
1: cool yeah so just to um so it'll be the better who we believe is the best player from that country to have played in the premier league so far so we'll start with group a um for Italy I had Gianfranco Zola for Wales, I had Gareth Bale, which I know will be very, very controversial considering um, a certain Ryan Giggs has also played for them. But I'm talking about who I think is the best player. Um, for Switzerland, it's and Shakiri, And for Turkey, I had Tugai who played for Blackburn, who I think is a top baller. Um, Group B, for Belgium, I've got Eden Hazard. Again, a very contentious one, considering we've had Vincent Kompany as well as Kevin De Bruyne from Belgium. Um, for Austria, I had Marco Arnautovic. North Macedonia, there's only like four players. But I went for um, Georgi Histrov, who played for um, Barnsley in that only season and scored eight goals in the Premier League. And for the Ukraine, even though he wasn't his best while he was here, um, Andrei Shevchenko is the player that I've gone through. Um, sorry, no, I've just messed it. Sorry, I've just messed things up. Sorry, so I've got Group B and Group C mixed up. So in Group C, the the final team was the Netherlands and Estenis Burkamp. And going back to Group B, it's Denmark. I had Peter Schmeichel. Finland, I had Sami Hippia. And for Russia, I had and- Andre Kanchelskis. Group D, which was England's group, I had Rio Ferdinand. Um, I think he was an exceptional centre-back. Like, he was argued, for me, he was the best centre-back in the world for a long period of time. And I've always really, really rated Rio. I think he's a shit pundit, though. Um, Croatia, Luka Modric. Um, Czech Republic is Peter Cech. And for Scotland, I've got Andy Robertson. Group E, Spain, up at David Silva. This was really difficult for me um, because there's been some exceptional Spanish players over here, but I just think for longevity and what he what he did with Man City, um, I'll give it to David Silva. Sweden was Henrik Henrik Larsson. Slovakia was Martin Skrtel. Poland was Jerzy Dudek. And in Group F, I had Hungary, which is Zoltan Gera. Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo; France, Thierry Henry, and Germany's Michael Ballack. So yeah, sorry about the mix-up between B and C, but yeah, they were my 24 players that I picked.
2: Some legendary Premier League players in that list. It's a really fun idea, Ash. Um, this mm. is a good shout. Um, I kind of went with a slightly different twist on what Ash did, and went with sentimental attachment opposed to just <laughs> the best player I've ever seen um, in the Premier League from a particular nation. And I started off with Di Canio. Now. The thing about Kanyo is, right, like, I I think he was uh, involved in a racism scandal once and he came out and made the distinction, publicly made the distinction, said, no, I'm not racist, I'm fascist. There's a difference. (laughs) That's something I'll never forget about him. (laughs) Um, At the time, I had to Google fascism and see what that was all about. Um, but, you know, being an East Ender, you know, West Ham being like the biggest club in East London where I was growing up and someone who, when I was younger, I worked in the stadium, I worked in the bowling and, you know, I had a few drinks in the bowling pub and did the whole match day experience. Um, and ta- and the was are god around me, you know, um, so I've got to put him in for Italy and for what he did um, in the Premier League. He, he was a great player. Um, Wales, Ryan Giggs. Uh, from switzerland johan Joru. like i used to go to the arsenal reserves i saw this boy coming through at like 16 17 and i thought he's going to be top class he's going to make it into the first team he went on to become an international player just got a lot of love for, for johan um even though some people would say he made mistakes and he wasn't the greatest player but you know what he is um turkish emery i did love that little short little Techy little Bolazogli Emery. He, he had skills. He was killing it for Newcastle back in the day. Uh, for Belgium, I've gone KDB. Denmark. Listen, I know it sounds like a joke pick, but again, I'm telling you, Nicholas Brentner. <laughs> right, if you were in those reserve games, if you were sitting in the stands watching a 17-year-old Nicholas Brentner just like slapping balls, he scored like 30 goals every season before he he got promoted to the first team. And I thought he was gonna be world-class. Just didn't really work out that way. And he was looking good, I, I want to say. He was looking good um, until he came back from his loan at Birmingham. He went on loan to Birmingham, he scored like 12 goals. And then Wenger changed his game made him lose weight and he and, and kind of didn't quite suit him. He should have been a target, man. Um, but anyway, um, of course Sammy Hippie had a big thing. Uh, Arshavin from Russia, come on, everybody knows Man scored four goals against Liverpool, he does that. Um, Dennis Bergkamp, the Dutchman from... Uh, Obviously, the flying Dutchman representing Holland. I've got no one from Austria. I just don't remember there being any great Austrian players in the Premier League, you know. Um, no one from Macedonia. Uh, Ukraine, of course, the one and only Shevchenko. England, uh, no shots uh, to Rio Ferdinand from me. I quite like Rio, actually. Um, and uh, I've got and got Rooney in there because, um, yeah, his game. His game is absolutely incredible, man. I think he's the best English player I've seen in the Premier League. Um Croatia, Davos Suker. Um, yeah, just brilliant player. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Thomas Riziski from Czech Republic. Again, these are players that, that you know, like Suker and Rzyski. These are players I was watching a lot. Um, I had a lot of time in the Emirates watching these guys week in, week out. Um, Tierney for Scotland. I mean... Have there really been any Scottish players Better than Kieran Tierney I don't know like, I have to think And I'm like I don't know
1: <laughs> Yeah, Robertson <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean Maybe it's arguable You know Maybe chin, It's not arguable It's clear uh, Alright, alright This
0: is very biased This is a very Arsenal now,
2: maybe, maybe he had a better tournament than, than, than Robertson You know, he was solid You know <laughs> Anyway Cesc for Spain, again, this is the best young player I've ever seen in my life. 16 years old, doing crazy things in the first team, playing next to Patrick Vieira, an incredible player. Um, for Sweden, this was a tough one because Zlatan Ibrahimovic is one of the best footballers I've ever seen in my life. Um, but he wasn't that great in the Premier League, if we be honest. Um, Henrik Larsson, one of the best football players I've ever seen, in play, one of the best goal scorers I've ever seen, wasn't that great in the Premier League in my opinion Um Freddie Longberg, man, I think <laughs> Freddie with the red hair when he was at Arsenal Wow it's Just just wow um, And we also had a young uh, Sebastian Larsson come through at Arsenal, another player I was watching I, I was going, wanted to put him in there because I got this emotional attachment to those youngsters that that came through uh, the academy Um Slovakia, nobody. Poland, nobody. Um, what I should have put for Poland is Chesley, of course. How could I not put Wojciech Szczesny? Um, uh, Hungary, I've got nobody there. Portugal, of course, CR7. France, Thierry Henry and Balak, the solid German midfielder at Chelsea. Mm. So let us
0: know let us know your thoughts there. Arsenal heavy with Cal and uh, some unique names from Ash. Um Let's talk about, I mean, we go back to the Euros. They thought it was coming home, but instead it went to Rome. Uh, you can't really complain, really. I think, like I said, the best team definitely on the day one, the best team of the tournament, arguably, you know, one they beat, they beat the best teams to go through. And they just had a game plan. They had a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. Um, I mean, we all watched the, the games respectively at different places. Um and you know, we could we, we could do a whole podcast on sort of Southgate's tactics or the wrong choice of players or the penalty takers or you know the three three guys that stepped uh, stepped up to take the penalty who's being cold and one of them never taken a penalty before professionally. But you know, I think we could bang on all of that. Out. I, I want to touch on the team of the tournament first of all. Before I do that, were you guys? Obviously disappointed in the final, but is there anything you can take, any positives you can take moving forward? Uh, Kyle, I'll
2: start with you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, did you say any positives that we can take from the tournament?
0: Any positives there for England moving forward? So rather than dwelling on all the negatives well, that came with...
2: Yeah, there's um, a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of that. But the positive is we've got a manager... He's put together a squad that is capable of competing with the best nations in the world and getting to the finals of tournaments, a semi-final of a World Cup and a final of European Championship. And that went to penalties. It was it was slim margins, man. We were 1-0 up and winning the game. And so from that point onwards, you could say it's game management that's failed us and, and England could have won it if there were some different decisions made and any different combination of decisions could have helped us to secure a one nil win um so we were almost there man so i think it's, it's looking good for going to the next tournament we've got a young squad um we've got players like trent alexander arnold that didn't play next time when we go to the world cup jude bellingham would have had another whole season of, of top flat football under his boat he'll probably be looking phenomenal and trying to get into that team ahead of rice or um uh, Phillips which will give us a bit more creativity and that might be all we need just a little bit more creativity in midfield to take the one nil wins 1-0 win leads to 2 nils, and then if we concede a goal we still win the game 2-1 yep. um,
1: How do I feel about it? So I'm not really a big England fan if I'm honest Like I don't really support the England national team as such I tend to take um, summer tournaments off and just enjoy the football for what it is Um I think in terms of encouragement and positives, I think, yeah, just the performance of the squad. I think one of the good things is that, like, he a lot of players who came into the squad under a bit of pressure and in the and under the microscope actually performed really well. So you mentioned um, Luke Shaw. I thought Jordan Pitford had a very good tournament, um, barring a bit of a wobbly in the Denmark game. Um, Raheem Sterling was excellent. Um, Calvin Phillips, I think he does mm. a job. Yeah, he had like, he had a phenomenal tournament for for, for, for what he is um, as a player um who else was I thinking about I, th- I feel like there's been there's been there's been enough good things I mean when you get to a final and you win games you only concede what was it two goals um, across seven games mm-hmm. um I think defensively that's the big plus for England. Uh, we, we all knew about their attacking talent, the amount of like good players they've got going forward. There was always a question mark about that defence, but I think the defence of Walker, Stones, Maguire, Shaw, with Pickford behind it, performed exceptionally well. And even when it went to back five, it was still a very, very hard um, nut to crack. So I think defensively, you like England have been exceptional. Um, But ultimately, I do think that maybe the, the utilisation of some of the players, um, both in their penalty orders, when they came on, the changes that were made, was that was a difference. I think Mancini was so good at changing in-game and that was what really took a very comfortable situation from England through to it being Italy in the ascendancy. And once Italy equalised, I thought the writing was on the wall. I never saw England being able to go again, especially with the the changes that were made as well. So I think that definitely the experience of it is great. Um, Cal made a great point that some players weren't available They'll be available for the next for the next tournament. So England have a very bright future because there's a lot of young talent that's coming through. Mm,
2: mm,
0: mm. Well, the team in the tournament, no surprise, loaded with England and Italian players. You had Ingol, uh, player of the tournament and also keeper of the tournament, uh, Donnarama, who uh, just sort of well was just so so strong at the back, secured and some great penalty saves, obviously to win it for. Italy. We've got Carl Walker, uh, Benucci, and Maguire, and Spinozola. Pierre Emil Heuberg, Jorginho Pedri, Chiesa, Lukaku, and Raheem Sterling. Um, like I said earlier, Paul Pogba really impressed me, and I think if France had progressed, he would have definitely been in there because his assists and goals and just sort of flair that Cal was mentioning. He was offering everything. So, uh, any real surprises in there? Pedri getting Young Player of the Tournament, and uh, Lukaku getting was it him or Ronaldo that got the Golden Boot?
1: Ronaldo got it. Ronaldo. I think. Um, I, I think. I think. I think Lukaku did well. Um, at the beginning
0: you? he did at the tournament, and then he sort of
1: fell off, and he missed. Mm. He missed a couple of key chances in the, in the Italy game. Ronaldo, a lot of it is penalties, right? Was it f- like three penalties, a tap in, and one very well worked goal? I don't yeah. think he. I don't think he performed that great in a tournament. Um, the striker who most, like I said earlier on, the striker who most impressed me across all of the games was um, Schick for the Czech Republic. I probably, I personally would have put him in the team because I felt what he did to score five goals for the Czech Republic and yes. his performances merited it more than say Lukaku's and Ronaldo's um but yeah away from that i pretty much agree with a lot of the stuff i think the defense could have been different like, i was a big believer that like stones was exceptional i think in the seven games he was absolutely outstanding and i'm a big stones fan in it so i probably would have tried to squeeze him in there but other than that then yeah i think it seems all right
0: yeah and um talks of the player of the tournament uh is signed for psg Uh, from AC Milan on a free transfer, which is surprising. Uh, Only 22 years old, um, having come off the strength of winning the European uh, Championship, PSG have gone straight in and he joins a super loaded team. That PSG team is looking like someone's FIFA ultimate team on paper. And they keep going from strength to strength as they try to get the coveted title of winning the Champions League. And uh, I think, you know, Donnarumma has been brought in, young goalie, international experience and hopefully should be there to not only tidy up the defense but maybe tidy up uh, a certain brazilian superstars haircut uh, (laughs) (laughs) ash i think you gotta speak to your boy man he's not my boy for uh, that trim (laughs) that's not even a trim that's a that's an extension that's like he went to the amazon rainforest and got the vines and just added it to his hair he's looking (laughs) he's looking crazy but um psg busy in the transfer window signing up that's the news from him we've also got some other news unfortunately from the euros marred through uh violence and just idiotic behavior this is english people man like i'm embarrassed to call myself an englishman when it comes to things like this although obviously i don't partake or have any links or relationships to this but it's it's, it's years it's like generations of just Fuggery and drunk and disorderly behaviour when they go on holiday. They had them banned in football in in the eighties and you know the the mob in the, the yobs in the nineties and just seeing the footage of oh, kicking the mic fans. They can't even call them fans because they're not real England fans, but just idiots storming Wembley like it was a scene out of Game of Thrones or something like that, trying to get over the wall, storming it. Um, there was there was reports of sort of a young boy who was in a wheelchair. His dad had to sort of abandon getting in. Because of health and safety, they were fighting each other, uh, and it's all kicked off and it's sort of marred the feel-good factor that England uh and you know that Great well not Great Britain, because everyone probably didn't want England to do well, but uh England uh had sort of during lockdown. Um and then also sort of the ra- uh, the racist comments, which we'll get to in a moment, with the uh the England players and the booing of the German national anthem. It's just one thing after another, which, which was disappointing, which will obviously affect England's chances in holding any other future tournaments. And I don't think we should, to be honest. I think, you know, some of it needs to be done. Um, there's reports of Harry Maguire's father saying his ribs were damaged in the Wembley stampede. Um, England, uh, you know, arguably should be England's captain. The way he stepped up to take that pen, best pen out of everyone. England
1: that that pen was so sick
0: Mm -hmm. oh my god he approached it like a robot but he put it top top bins took out the camera and um I think he's someone who's definitely grown into the price tag and being you know the leader for Man United arguably the biggest club in England and he's doing he's doing the job for England uh from yeah doing the job for England as well so reports that his father uh sort of was affected by the stampede by ticketless fans who breached security. What security? What police? What security? This is a joke. So I hope something sort of gets done about this or some inquest. Um, guys, what are your thoughts on the on the fans with the booing of the National Anthem and the stampede of, uh, of Wembley? Disappointing, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it goes back to the booing of the knee at the start of the tournament. So if you remember rightly, um, that first Sunday when England kicked off against um, Croatia, when some of the players went down for the knee, like the booing started there. So if they're able to boo their own, they're going to boo the so-called opposition and the foreigners and all of that stuff. Um And it's weird; it's just really crazy how, like, conveniently, when we were winning and everything was going really, really well, it was like, okay, yeah, cool, like Black Lives Matter, yeah, that's fine. The booing, the booing stopped with every game that England done well in a tournament. The booing for the knee stopped, mm. but then, as, but then as soon as the penalties happened and Marcus Rashford lost, sorry, missed. <laughs> then it wasn't even just booing. It's it's kind of what's expected. And this is part of the reason why I, I really struggled to support the national team. I can support players in it. I can support yeah. what, what people are doing on the pitch. But the overall national team essentially is the nation. And for me, just... I knew it was coming. Like, watching those penalties, and you saw it come up, like, you literally, as soon as Rashford missed, you knew what was coming next. And then when, when Sancho missed, it was going to be magnified. And then for Saka... To have like the fifth penalty. And it, listen, let's have it right. Like, Saka, Saka should never be taking the fifth penalty in, in a penalty shootout as a 19-year-old. Shouldn't be taking um, any penalty. Well, no, so this is the thing. So, like, I was talking about this to like to some of my boys. If you think about a penalty shootout, the penalty shoot the penalties that have the least pressure on them is is, is penalty two and three. So if you want to get him in the first five, Give him a penalty where there's still a chance for someone to make it up or there's still a chance for it to be corrected. Don't give him the pressure penalty that either wins it or keeps you in the competition. Um,
0: Yeah, I've got a theory. I've Mm. got a theory. I see what you guys think. Do you think Southgate, because you can see him at the end of the game clambering around, going up to players and saying, do you want to take it? And it's like, you see Jordan Sanchez saying, yeah, 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 I'm not bothered. Like, whatever, I'll take it. Like, calm. But then do you think, He chose them three players to be like, you're booing the Black Lives Matter. These are three British lads, black lads, and they're going to win it for us. And it's going to be up yours to the races, up yours to everyone. And I'm going to, you know, sort of not overthinking it, but do you think they were the right choices for the penalties? Or do you think he, he chose them because they were three black players who could sort of prove a point that, you know, we're united as a nation and they're going to win it for us? Because um, you had look how many other people you had on the pitch. He took off Henderson, which I thought, you know, you're in, you're in the, you're in the trenches. You've got a captain mm. of a Champions League winning team and Premier League team who can take a penalty and who's going to sort of hold everyone accountable. There's footage of Ronaldo. You seen that footage of Ronaldo at the old Euro saying, right, you, 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 come here, come here, come here. We're taking pens. I didn't see that from Kane. I didn't see any real leaders. I think. And then, uh, sorry, I just, on your
1: point. I think if that's the case, then I think Sterling would have been in, the, in that three. So where I was he? But that's the thing. I feel like if you're talking that like Southgate consciously said, I want these black players to, to pull us home. Sterling was is the leader of, say, the, the, like, the black generation in, 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 in England through performance and obviously through experience as well. So I would have expected him to have been in that.
0: that's interesting. Sense. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And I would have thought he he, he, he would have.
1: I d I don't know, man. I think I just think he's picked his five. And remember, we don't see what happens in training. We don't see some of the stuff that happens behind closed doors. He said to him, this is the five. One thing that is really interesting though is he went up to Greenwich a couple of times and he was like, Are you okay with this? Are you okay with this? And Greenwich looked a little dis like despondent. If you if you watch back, there's a bit where Greenwich's head is down, like maybe and he came out in the week saying he wanted to take a penalty. So maybe actually it was taken from him rather than kind of granted. Does, does that make sense?
0: Like, yeah, yeah, 100%. He tweeted, which a lot of people said, oh, he's throwing the gaffer under the bus there. But he tweeted, oh, just to be known, I put my name forward and it's the gaffer's decision and you can never say that I bottled it. Maybe he was keeping him for the sixth penalty. Um, maybe,
1: maybe, but I think Pickford was down for the six penalty. But for oh me... Oh my God, Pickford for <laughs> the six penalty. No, nah, he would have scored. He would have scored, 100% he would have scored. Because didn't, didn't he take a penalty in the last World Cup and
0: score? Yeah, but the way Pickford was moving in that final in some of the games, he was moving shaky. Like, he, like he's he's the most angriest man I've ever seen. <laughs> and he just hates Maguire. There's a relationship going on with him and Maguire that is not happy. You know, he's he's constantly shouting. Um, that, that theory I had with Southgate with the pins, I've just thrown it out there. I, I, I don't know if I felt that way, obviously. But I was disappointed with as soon as Rushford stepped up, who's ice cold. We've all seen that penalty against PSG to put Man United through. I would have put my, you know, you would have put your house on it. As soon as he missed that, I thought, right, the other two crumbling. Apple crumble, Jordan Sancho, he's like, he's not on it. Like he was cold. You thinking Southgate? No way, I'm going to blow you out here. And Saka, Apple crumble, man, poor pens.
1: You know. But can we, but can we also turn it around because Donnarumma has an amazing record in penalty shootouts. He's won six out of six. Like, as a goalkeeper, and is he, he's not even the greatest goalkeeper because you saw in the game, he's a little bit shaky at certain points. But when it comes to that, sh- like, shot stopping, he's a phenomenal goalkeeper. And I was really, really worried. Personally, I would have kept Henderson on and I would have got him to take a penalty. Even though he missed one in the warm-ups, I still think he should have taken one. And I would have had either Shaw, Sterling, yep. or Stones take another penalty. Because Shaw takes three kicks... So he's a good striker of the ball. And I feel like if I can trust you to whip a corner in to, on, to someone's head from, like say, 30, 40 yards, I expect you to kind of score from 12 yards. I've seen John Stones take a penalty in a shootout before. And one of the best penalties I've ever seen in a shootout was Raheem Sterling's against Chelsea when City won the the Carlin Cup a couple seasons ago, when he basically made it kiss the bar and go in. So mm. I know he's missed a couple since then, for man City. But again I kind of feel like the moment he would have he would have got I hear, through, but
0: I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying with the keeper, but and these it's about pressure and and these things favor the favor the attacker. You've got you know a higher chance of scoring, just of possibilities. It was disappointing. Um and hopefully they come back stronger. What you need in those moments Maitland Niles, mate. <laughs> <laughs> coldest penalty taker in the world. Ice cold. They said, what they say? They, if he can make his mum sleep in the bin, he can take a penalty. So, uh, the, guy is, the guy is cold. Would you want to touch on him quickly, uh, Ash, before? He, yeah,
1: yeah. Because I've, okay, I've got Okay, so, right,
0: we'll, we'll just round this up. But um, So, Ash has got to shoot off quickly because he's sort of Mr. Social Butterfly. But, Lionel Messi has finally won a major trophy with his nation. He's putting the skeletons to bed, comparing them to... Maradona, comparing his national, you know, not his nationality, but his sort of dedication to his country. He, you know, he can be hold, held now in in even higher esteem around the world because he's won the Copa America. Ash, gone before you go.
1: Listen, there's been a there's been a couple of discussions on this podcast about who who's your goat, and there's been a few people that have come on here and said Ronaldo's my goat, and I've always said he's not mine. And I'm just so happy that Lionel Messi finally um, has won an international tournament. And don't get me wrong; like he wasn't even that great in the final. But also, I want to give a shout out to Di Maria who scored the winner. Mm. I've always felt that maybe he's kind of let like he's he's a very good player who hasn't always shown up in tournaments. And actually, for him to score the the winner and for Argentina to actually get it together, first tournament win in 28 years. Um, yeah, I just want to really acknowledge that, but Messi deserves an international honour for being the greatest player that I've seen play the game. And um, yeah, I'm just really, really happy that that's actually happened.
0: They were they were calling for Di Maria not to start, weren't they? They were begging, like, please don't start. And um, I think if the new manager, the young manager, if he can get everyone ticking over, if, Mar- if uh, Messi can stay fit and shine at the right games, they're definitely in for a shout in the latter stages of the World Cup. And uh, who knows? He may even he may even get to that that coveted you know World Cup uh, final and, and, not, and not bottle it. But uh, yeah, Cal, did you watch Copa America final?
2: I watched a bit of it and um, you know me, I mean, sort of uh, multitasking playing FIFA at the same time, glancing over, catching a few bits and bobs. But I did see that Di Maria goal go in, and I was like, oh my days! Um, I've got to give uh, Messi's congratulations. You know, well done. Ronaldo fans will no longer be able to have that leverage and say, Messi's never won an international tournament. Can't do that anymore. Um, but no, congratulations to Messi. I think um, it was an emotional moment as well after he won it. And, um, you know, you saw Neymar sort of hugging him, obviously, former teammates. And Neymar will know just how important it is to Messi to to, to lift that tournament. Um, but I was a little bit disappointed in the Brazilian team, to be honest with you, because, come on, like when we grew up, like, the Brazilian teams we saw had, like, Ronaldinho and R9 Ronaldo and just, like, incredible players. Mm. But, when you look at the current Brazilian team, it's not quite of the same stock, is it?
0: No.
2: In transition,
0: it's a bit of change, isn't it? I mean, they've got Neymar and uh, a few players from the Prem, but, yeah, Martinelli, one to watch. But, yeah, I think, sort of, that golden era Brazil is, uh, but but they is on is on the up. But they always have those those little moments where they dip and then they come back again. So I'm not worried about Brazil as big as it is. Football is the uh, the saving grace over there. So I know Brazil will, will come back again. But well done, Messi.
2: Most definitely. I did want to chip in on the on the Euros final just before. Yeah, sorry, uh, we move yeah. on Because uh, um, wanted to let Ash get his uh, you know, get his rounds off. Do, 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 do. Um, and uh, there was an interesting article I found while you guys were t- going back and forth, actually, from the BBC, um, where they kind of talked about the political involvement in this tournament. And they talked about, you know, statements that Boris Johnson made and a number of Conservative MPs. Um, and obviously the famous quote from Preeti Preetel, labelling uh, people taking the knee before the game as gesture politics. And in that whole kind of, you know, debacle that... Followed after that, um, specifically with Tyrone Mings taken to uh, social media to kind of he basically just condemned her for being a hypocrite because, you know, she came out to say after, you know, some of the racism when players were getting booed um, for missing their penalties and uh, the racism that followed that you know she dared to actually take to social media and say oh i condemn the racism and so it's like if you saw how she was acting before the tournament and reacting to people taking a knee and and you know you can tell that <clears throat> she actually doesn't care about the protest of racism she actually just doesn't care about it and tyra mings i think was 100 percent right in addressing what she said and Gary Neville's addressed it as well. Um I've got a lot of respect for Gary Neville. Shout out to Gary. Um, mm. you know, um he had a bit of a rant on Sky Sports, saying um, you know, that he thinks the leadership, the people in in positions of power need to do better and need to set a better example. Um and so yeah, when you look at these comments from the uh conservative uh, MPs and stuff, then you'll see exactly what Gary's talking about.
0: Yeah. It was um it was a funny tournament, man. Yeah, so all the racist uh, social media posts towards Saka, Sancho, and Rashford, who have been um, celebrated. I mean, you know, and uh, I don't know. I want to celebrate them obviously because they're they're English and they've played the final and they they took the balls to take the penalties. Um,
2: um, we've, ne- we've never had this microscope on the problems in society before have we it's never been like as prevalent as it is now it's so in support. yeah now i mean yeah. the, the problems have always been there but we've never had the microscope we never mm-hmm. had like social media and phones and you know and every little thing that happens just out in the open and public knowledge like years ago there's things that would happen and people would just kind of cover it up and pretend like nothing yeah. happened you can't do that no, no, so it's no. Kind of, so when you get a tournament like this, it, there's there's a lot of stuff that's kind of ugly, <laughs> kind of things like things you don't really want to see, man. You don't want to see all of this uh, racism and you know murals being defaced. defaced. Yeah. Ah, oh, just so, just so much. I'm actually just tired of talking about it, man.
0: Apparently the yeah. police are saying they're not treating it as a as a racist attack. The mur- mural mural that was defaced in Manchester of Marcus Rashford. What was great is that the community came together and covered it up with post-its and, and letters and stickers just to show their support, thanking him for spearheading the sort of extra support for, for, for parents and children in need of free school meals. And and, nice. then, and then the artist, the original artist came back and touched it up. Look, we all make mistakes. It's a sport. It's only a game at the end of the day. It's a, it's a fucking football game. You know, no one deserves to be attacked racially or anything like that. And um, I'm glad that the police are now investigating more. One bloke's been arrested um, for racially abusing Marcus Rashford, who happened to be a football coach, and whose family benefited from the free school meal scheme. So what what an idiot, man. I lad. think
2: if there's one positive that's happening now, it's that the collective kind of consciousness has decided, I think... The, the majority of people are in this world are fair and, and just and good. And mm. it's the minority that aren't. And it just so happens that the minority are the people that are really powerful and influential. And these people that are really powerful and influential who aren't fair and just kind of just happen to be in a position to influence other people and spread that. Kind of negative, negativity, negative feeling, negative opinions. But because the majority of us are fair and just, you know, we can put microscopes on things, we can put our phones on things, we can take to social media, and we can help to change the per- the perceptions. So if there's any positive to take, it's that loads of institutions and individuals, and you know, like you're saying, you get communities coming out and just showing, look, man, we don't, we're not with this stuff. And another story came up where uh, Nottingham Trent University actually rescinded an an offer to a student that wanted to come to their university because uh, a video went out on Snapchat of this student abusing the footballers for having missed the penalty. Um, you know, this guy, this student, this potential student has been caught racially abusing people and the university said, we don't want people like that at our university. Just withdrawing their application. So... With stuff like this happening now, it's just like, it, it, that's actually the kind of thing that warms my heart and makes me think, we're making progress uh, as a society, as humans. We are making progress. We are fighting racism. And it's not going to be an overnight fix. But I I kind of feel like we might just get there, man. Mm-hmm.
0: No, well said, man. Well said. That's a good, good note to end it on for that topic. Um, moving on. Uh, I've got some news here for... Football in Africa, African Champions League, Egyptian club Al Ali beat South Africa's Kaiser Chiefs 3 0 to win their 10th African Champions League title. Well, wow. uh, Egypt always a strong runner in the uh, African nations, but to see that one of their club teams win the Champions League. Uh, wow for a 10th time. Wow. That's, um, that's, that's amazing. Um, the Cairo club have now won double the number of champions league titles than their most successful clubs, their neighbors, Zamalek. Hope I said that right. And, um, this is something I wasn't really aware of the fact that there's a whole champions league in Africa, obviously makes sense. You've got it all over the world. So why wouldn't there be? So I'm definitely going to have to watch this and keep a close eye on it. Um, Cal have you sort of, I know you're a man of international football with, uh, american football in south america did did you see any of this was you aware of any of this going on i I,
2: I, I didn't know um so you know the, the champions league format is kind of like set up around all over the world the one that i don't really know too much about is what happens in you know they used to call it oceana where you have like australia and i think it's concacaf that's the um the football federation that that manages Australia, New Zealand, and those kind of uh, nations around there. I'm yeah. not sure what their Champions League setup is is down there. I know they have one in obviously South America, the, the um, Copa Libertadores, the the uh, uh, South American Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know too much about the African Champions League, to be honest with you, mate. Um, so I think it's an absolutely great story, and uh, hopefully we'll see a Ghanaian side winning the <laughs> African Champions League one day.
0: Do you think it would be nice if they did? Um so they took the, the African Champions League winner, the South American winner, the European Champions League, uh, the Asia, and then they had like, not like a Super League. I'm not advocating that because we all know how that turned out. But they, they had sort of like, I know they've got a Super Cup, but if they had maybe eight teams and they played a little mini league tournament thing and then they found out like who was the best of the best over a little two weeks. Rather than just the Super Cup, which is cool, I know Chelsea have got that soon, uh, being the Champions League winner. Yeah, uh, the
2: champions, the champions of champions leagues.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe Mason Mount will turn up to that, seeing as he was uh, he was missing all tournament spring, but disappointing. We didn't really touch on. I, I do like Mason, man. I got you know he's he's a phenomenal footballer at such a young age, but maybe he'll come better with the uh, different. Sort of approach for England. But yeah, um that would be interesting to see. There's my little Chelsea dig there. Sorry, Ryan. Um now things will
2: be different <laughs> next tournament, I'm sure of it. Um I'll tell you what though, after that um that little Wembley takeover, I was thinking to myself, damn it, I should have been down the stadium, I would have been in there for free. It was for like free? when you're younger yes. and you try and
0: go through the back door of a nightclub. Do you
2: remember? <laughs> yeah, exactly. me, exactly that. Everybody rushed the back door when they went the whole stadium. That is West? insane. Westwood days or i don't think go- i don't think i ever saw a Tim Westwood rave getting rushed did people rush the back door at Westwood? R- West?
0: yeah people did everything at Westwood in the 90s and wow i seen wow. i've been, been to one rave i went to this is this is more of a brb topic but one rave i went to i had like a house music one in shoreditch and i was about someone was playing i was about to go in and then about 10 20 goons just rushed it and all bombed in and I thought, oh, let me just hang back a minute. And then the dust cleared and I just walked in for free. I thought, oh, mate, I'm not getting caught up in the in
2: the melee. But um, so it sounds like a BRB topic, but it actually happens at Wembley in football, <laughs> which is most definitely play on territory. So, yeah. Wembley wow. would just be like
0: a not even a club where prestige in Mayfair. Wembley's just like a come
2: as you are. Club. Come on, Wembley's. Oh, like, what, what's, the, what's the capacity like ninety thousand or something like that? Come on. Where's the security? Where's all the, the Wembley to... would be like the biggest nightclub in the country? Would be like one of those, you know, like one of those ones that where the uh no, the a, crowd goes and you get know, like <laughs> a manumission, like amnesia, like 10, no, 20, it's... people.
0: It's a it's a slag club. Everyone's been there, man. Anyone can get to Wembley. You get <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh man! Oh. Do you think yeah? Do you think talking to stadiums because I I mentioned this with um some of my friends do you, Do you think it would have benefited England more so if they'd have played the final in a neutral ground? So if they'd have played the final at you know the bernabao or they played it at uh, Munich's ground or in Portugal rather than at Wembley because there's a lot of pressure for the home team. England was one of the only teams that didn't travel. They travelled one game to Italy and then came back and they had so much opportunity to win it. Do you think they would have had a better chance at a different ground, less less pressure for the fans?
2: No. No. Yeah, I think we definitely had home advantage. Playing at your home stadium with, with loads of your own home fans behind you, ones that paid for tickets, ones that didn't pay for tickets, just loads. The amount of support that we would have had, we've seen... How, you know, players can be affected by not having anybody in the stadiums throughout this kind of pandemic football. Um, So to have a final with so many fans, packed stadium, you know, you you can hear like the atmosphere and and that kind of thing. It puts a battery in a player's back. You know, they feel the encouragement and they play better. If you go to a different ground where you don't have all of your home support, you know, you don't have the 12th man, do you? You don't have that extra little battery. Um, So I don't think it would have got a better performance out of England if they played away. I do think the home advantage has helped England to get to the final. And it's just unfortunate that we couldn't cross the line. But I do think that Southgate is... Very, He set the team up to be defensively solid. He's made some very good decisions. Obviously, he's not perfect. they going to get everything right. And, you know, maybe one or two decisions uh, have led to us losing the match. But I think that's a minor point, man. I've mm. never seen England in a cup final in my life. There's people born and died who never saw England in a cup final in their life. And I'm just lucky enough to have seen it in my lifetime. Mm. And the team is in great shape to go ahead and get to another cup final next year. This is great. I'm mate, I've been saying it. Southgate is the guy. I still firmly believe Southgate is the guy. Say what you want, but you know, people Are moaning about the style of play and he switched things up, man. And he started playing Sancho and 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 Grealish and you know. But you can't do that every single game if you start too he many. He didn't do any games. He <laughs> did. He did it after um what was the game when um after we beat Germany we played Ukraine and he's like, yeah, let's go. He changed the shape. He, like he he had the free at the back against Germany. He went for a solid defensive solidarity. Yeah, and then, was... then he said, listen, we're going to do uh, 4-2-3-1 against Ukraine. We're going to go forward. We're going to get the ball down the wing, and we're going to let these boys play. And but, and they played, man. Mm. So, he
0: seemed to he seemed to do that more for the opposition, to kind of the opposition rather than put out an attacking team. Um, I think against, against I think
2: there was a lot of criticism. And I think what Southgate wanted to do is he kind of wanted to answer the critics as well as, you know, if we're going to play 90 minutes against a team setting up a low block, how are we going to break this down? We're going to have to have a goal. So I think it's tactical Mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit egotistical. Maybe, you know, you want to go in front of the cameras and you want to say we won it and we won it in style. So definitely. why not? Just be good to see a bit more
0: attacking flair. Hopefully that comes I mean, you don't win tournament with sexy football. That's been proven. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But it was, you know, it, it was promising. And uh, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to argue with a man that's got you to a semi-final and a final.
2: Are Italy worthy champions?
0: 100%. 100%. I said it when they beat... I, I, I said they were like... They were sort of dark horses leading up to the tournament. And when they beat Belgium, when they, when they outplayed Belgium and just passed rings around them. I thought yeah this is they've got all the components they've got solid classy defenders they can put a cross in they press 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 they've got you know there's a t- There's no one star they sort of all chip in and they they know how to win they know how to win as a nation they know how to win as a manager <clears throat> and that's you know that's, that's why they've won World Cups and Euros and stuff so it's coming for England we've got to get through uh, we've got to get through like Southgate said, "We've got to get through these stages in order to uh, taste success. So let's hope it is. Uh, let's hope that when we record this pod for the World Cup, that we're uh, we we're a bit more positive. But yeah, uh, and I'm, if I hear if I hear it's coming home one more time, I'm going to jump out the window, man. Let's just switch it
2: up. Well, unfortunately, it's coming home. It's not coming home. That's it, that's um, talking about switching it up." Um, we've got some more news to chop up, haven't we? Um, we've just Thanks. talked in England, and uh, one of our England players, Rashford, has unfortunately been injured. Mm. Um, now, so
0: sorry. Ash was Ash was saying that he felt he was injured sort of he'd been injured before the tournament and and he didn't maybe look as right. Maybe that's why Southgate didn't play him as much um I hope he gets his rest. I don't know if you've seen the video footage of him and Sancho on the plane celebrating like young millionaires. They got all the uh, all the jewelry on. They're um they're on a Why private not? jet. They're living Why life. Not? So I can't feel too sorry for people that <laughs> are earning <laughs> two hundred grand a week or whatever it is. So now more life more life to him. Big up big up Rashford and Sancho for celebrating life and all the other England players who are out on the holidays. Um
2: yeah, I don't really tune in to, to, to that kind of thing. Like, I know like everybody has access to everything now. You know, you can go on Snapchat, Instagram, you can see everything that everyone's doing. And, uh, but you know, I just like the football, man. Like, I don't really care about what they're doing outside oh, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. pitch, um, unless it's obviously uh, things that are not in good taste. Um, but yeah, I mean. It's a it's a huge blow, Rashford being injured. Man, it says here uh, this article in the Guardian that says Rashford's actually ruled out until October. Wow. So, woo for Ollie sort of preparing for the new season and, and trying to put together a title challenge. That's that's a that's a heavy blow, man. Because you want to start the season with all your best players fit, um and uh, and hopefully it isn't going to be something that kind of like becomes recurring and and or well, you know they kind of rushing back um because they need him to win
0: games players um, players need more rest now there's there's such an intense onslaught of games I think they've just had a premier league season they've had the summer tournament and then pre-season and friendlies have already started i know i know uh arsenal spurs palace a few teams have had friendlies um not that we not that we're looking too much into friendlies because it doesn't tell us much so uh yeah it should be interesting to see what happens when the new season kicks off. We'll have to do a pre-season prediction and chat about each team and uh, some of the new teams coming up. I'm looking forward to that.
2: Mm, most definitely. And, um, you know, the uh, the FPO uh, new leagues can be open now. It's, it's been open for a while. So uh, we need to get our BRB league set up. That's it. Get the pins out. Uh, if anybody wants to join, feel free to hit us up on social media at Podcast Play podcastplayon um, or on the email at Podcast player on at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, hopefully, I don't know, Russia got me a few points last season. I might have to put him back in the team when he comes back from his injury. He looks like it's a shoulder injury that, mm-hmm. uh, that he actually had last season. So it is a recurring one. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and he wasn't 100% fit when he was uh, in the Euros. Um, and he's aggravated it during the tournament, is what he looks like. So yeah he's going to go under the knife he's going to have a procedure I and we wish
0: him well. And he's got all that ice around his neck to keep him cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a bit there's a bit of transfer news but I I want to I'm just conscious of time uh, and I want to sort of if you're all right with that call and our listeners we let's can go, let's go. When, when the transfer I was going to say when they when the transfer news and noise clears and we have a bit more names and then, then talk about that because uh I'm just conscious of going I mean we've got Giroud and um White, but I think there'll be a bit more action in the summer which we can spend a bit more time on as well so I'm just conscious of of shooting off to the baby
2: that's cool man um so confirmed transfers obviously there's a lot of uh, transfer gossip lot of transfer talk um, and uh, one of the confirmed transfers is Olivier Giroud to Milan so this is the end of Giroud's Premier League romance. It's been a while. You know, there's been some moments like he's played some absolutely sexy football at Arsenal, The Scorpion King. Uh went over to Chelsea. 34 years old now. He this might be his last club. He's gone to Milan, you know, maybe he he spends a couple of years there. I'm not sure how long the contract is. Um apparently he's going to be on 1 million euros. Oh, he's oh. gonna earn sorry one million euros in bonuses. Oh, that's a lot of money, man. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been that prolific for for Chelsea. But who knows? Maybe in Milan, bit of a slower league. Maybe he'll bang goals for them over there. Or maybe they're bringing him to just be like the elder statesman and you know be professional and you know uh, help to guide the younger players, stuff like that.
0: Mm, yeah, but yeah, no. I, I wish him well, man. He's been a, a servant for Arsenal and Chelsea, and uh, scored some of the greatest Premier League goals. He's a World Cup winner, a Champions League winner, Euro, Euro Cup winner. Um, you know, someone. I think someone famously tweeted in 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 you know with Giroud having the Puskas Awards and all these trophies. How how am I going to tell my child in ten years that Olivier Giroud was shit? <laughs> oh my days But yeah, right. Um on that note, more transfers to come, more money to be spent, um, hopefully. Um this has yeah. been
2: John A rumour to PSG, that's
0: a big yeah, one. Yeah, we touched on that. Yeah, he's a free transfer, which is surprising. Um and Arsenal getting a, a, a ball playing central defender to to replace David Luiz Hopefully he's a lot sort of a lot better with uh, careless mistakes, but I mean we will go into that in more detail. Um so we've touched on Euros roundup 2020 roundup Cal and Ash spoke about their best or greatest Premier League players from each nation in the uh, European championships let us know your thoughts if you agree Rio Ferdinand Wayne Rooney Shevchenko was in there Dennis Bergkamp there's a few you know let us know your thoughts we spoke about England and Italy and also the team of the tournament Messi winning a major trophy and putting sort of scale into the bed in a con- uh, conversation of GOAT status as he elevates to those that have won something major. And then we touched on Marcus Rashford, African Champions League and some transfer news. As always, I'm Ben English, uh, one of your co-hosts.
2: I am Cal Sirius, another one of your co-hosts.
0: And Ash and Ryan, as always, with us uh, on and off. And thank you for listening. Have a good week. Make sure you wash your hands, wear a mask still. If those getting the jab, good luck. Those who aren't getting the jab, good luck. We support you in your choices in life.
2: Take care. And stop being racist on social media because you will get rejected for your university application. Peace. Definitely.
0: (laughs) Take care.